0: Apply. See website for details.
1: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers preview. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and finally, we have an actual Pittsburgh Steelers game to preview. I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself and I said that was a long bye week. That was long with me as always co-host brian anthony davis brian what's going on Was that was that a long bye week or is it just me thinking that because well it seems like forever ago since they last played a game
2: well when you have to go to bed bath and beyond home goods and a star is born and not watch the pittsburgh steelers it's a long week jeff i will tell you how, that
1: how was how was that movie i, I i'm kind of curious uh, is it was it good did you see it
2: Actually, I I hate to admit it, it was great. But <laughs> really <isn't> <laughs> I
1: no, love I love Bradley Cooper. I'm...
2: Nah, Bradley I Now, Bradley Cooper's awesome. He yeah, really channeled and uh, you know, she, Lady Gaga didn't have to wear a meat suit to be credible this time around. So I, mean, <laughs> I don't
1: was... I don't mind. I don't mind Lady Gaga either because I actually have Hometown ties with her family, but that's another story altogether. So um, Nonetheless, here we are. Uh, this is not a movie review as much as we would like it to be. We're talking about Steelers and Browns part two or part two is I think always about hot shots part two, which is another movie reference, but um, There's a lot different between week one matchup, which as we all remember resulted in the most deflating tie in Pittsburgh Steelers history, most likely, and now this week eight matchup. Uh, for instance, uh, you think about the Cleveland side of things. It's not Tyrod Taylor under quarterback at quarterback. It is Baker Mayfield, uh, who has a lot of experience now for a rookie. He's played several weeks. Um, no Josh Gordon, uh, but they know Carlos Hyde. Uh, you have all these different variables. It's not in Cleveland. It's in Pittsburgh. But at the same time, there's some changes on the Pittsburgh side. Brian, what's different for the Steelers this go-around?
2: Well, Vance McDonald, Jeff, will be playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's really found himself this time around. Um, The Steelers also are not, like you said, not going to be in Cleveland, but they will be not really wondering if Le'Veon Bell will be coming back. Um, at this point, because now they've put it, they've put it out of their heads. So that was kind of was uh, a pall over them that entire time, and now that's that's not something they really have to think about whatsoever either. Um, you have just a different team. You don't have questions about John Bostick anymore. Um, you know what you have or don't have in the linebackers you know basically what you have on that team and you know where your Achilles heel is and your Achilles heel right now is on the cornerback side of the ball and you also know that's going to happen now on the other side of the ball you know that you had a quarterback that had a bad game last time and you know how he is against the Cleveland Browns at home just a phenomenal record and he just like everybody else is ready to erase that first game. Because if you remember that first game, Jeff, for the Cleveland Browns, that tie was a victory. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, that was a devastating loss, Jeff.
1: Yeah, which brings me to my next point, and it's based on the fact that the Steelers are coming off a bye. Now, a writer for our website, uh, Dave Schofield, um, he wrote a really good article, very in-depth. I suggest anyone that has not checked it out, go back. I think it ran on Wednesday and it was all about Mike Tomlin's history coming off a bye. I believe he's 9-7 and seven or something of that nature. That's too many games. He's only been there for a say 7-4 and four might be his record. He's won more than he's lost, but it's not by an, an outstanding margin that would definitely drive the needle one way or the other. I guess my question for you is, coming off a bye, the Ravens are looming in Week 9. Do you see possible letdown? What's your feeling about this team that was really playing well going into the bye? Do you think that they can continue that momentum, or do you think this is going to be one of those games where it's a slow start, they look sloppy, they have to get their stuff together, and then they have to turn around the second half? Give me kind of what you think is going to happen here at at Heinz Field this Sunday.
2: Well, you know, they are the only AFC team that won last week. And I know they didn't play, but they won by those other three teams losing, Jeff. So that, for me, is a big deal. I think this team has banded together with the entire Bell situation. I think they are uh, rallying behind James Conner. I think they're making a point to do that. I think they are rallying together as a team. They're starting to get that... Us against the world mentality again—that really does that well—and we've seen that under Mike Tomlin teams the last few years. I remember two years ago, after the Dallas game, I believe it was Week Nine, they were four and five, and you and I were doing the hangover, and we're like, "Well, it's over." I mean, we we had callers talking about draft picks at that point, and they went to the AFC Championship this game that. that that year um so as far as i'm concerned that i think this is a different team than we saw in week one and i think this cleveland browns team is a much different team that we saw in week one not because of the personnel but because of the mentality they're starting to slip back into that um not us against the world but us against ourselves mentality and you have the coaches fighting and you have Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, that is a big storyline. So uh, it's a mess in Cleveland. It's back to being a mistake by the lake and Pittsburgh is surging right at the perfect time. I think it can be a huge storyline here and a tale of eight, what six weeks, a difference of six weeks is a world of difference for both of these teams.
1: Yeah, especially when you think about uh, you know Mike Tomlin. I love the way he put it when he said the Steelers need to get that September stench off of them after their poor start to the season. He, That was the phrase that he used in his press conference. And in October, they've only played two games, but they've won them both. Their October record is really good. Ben Roethlisberger's October record is really good. And so I think that it's safe to say that I like the fact that they're playing the Browns. I like the fact that they tied the Browns in Week 1. And I like the fact that coming off a bye, they have a divisional home game, which they have yet to win one. And so there's all these intrinsic things that are going on that should motivate the Steelers that could be really good motivational tools for Mike Tomlin, not that he needs them. Mike Tomlin has his issues, and motivation is not one of them. So I don't think there's going to be any problem in terms of getting the boys ready to go on Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And now it's time that we give you some key matchups for the game. Brian, I'm going to say you be quiet for a second. I'm going to go first. And wow, that's different. <laughs> I know, yeah. How about that? Hey, new new week, off the bye week. My number one matchup is basically the Steelers' pass protection versus the Browns' pass rush. Uh, but more importantly, Miles Garrett versus Alejandro Villanueva. And I know that you probably had that key matchup written down at the top of your list, so that makes me even a uh, little bit happier. But nonetheless... Villanueva didn't look that great against Garrett, but I thought Ben Roethlisberger said something very interesting in his Wednesday media session, and that was that sometimes it takes a a little bit to get used to playing against someone. And after you've already gotten the tape on them, and Miles Garrett has the rest of this season and majority of last season that Alejandro Villanueva can now take that experience, and we should see a better performance, not to mention the Steelers as a team should be better prepared for Miles Garrett And in regards of putting a tight end over top of him, chipping him out of the backfield, making sure he doesn't wreck the offense. And they had four sacks, the Browns did, of Ben Roethlisberger, and this is a pass protection unit that has only given up, uh, I'm sorry, last two games, zero sacks and one quarterback hit. So they are playing great. But we know that the Browns defense is their calling card. So that's my number one key matchup. Brian, I know I stole yours, but go ahead and give us your number one key matchup.
2: Yes, 911. This is Brian Davis. Jeff <laughs> Hartman just stole my thunder. Um, so we'll go on the other side of the ball here and let's stay with that same thing, but let's switch it. So let's take a look at Cam Hayward. I think he's coming on as of late. He has a very cool matchup against Kevin Zeitler. You know, Zeitler uh, was uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals a few years ago. They have been in the past before. Those are uh, two very good players, and they're going to be going head-to-head in this game. If Look, this is a different quarterback that you're facing this week. This is not Tyrod Taylor, who was a threat to run as much and just burn you with that speed. This is more of a guy in Baker Mayfield that uh, he could run, but he's more of a lumbering runner and Cam Hayward could lead that uh, front seven to him. And he could be the guy along with, you know, TJ Watt, who had uh, four, then uh, one was taken away from him. So three sacks in week one. So this is a team that uh, they... Have always in the last couple of years gotten to a Cleveland Brown passer, no matter who it who it was. It could have been RG three. It could have been Manziel. It could have been Tyrod. They got they've gotten to them all. It could have been like seven other guys and one that's working at Toys R Us, even though there is no that's how many guys have played quarterback but pittsburgh steelers they know how to get to a browns quarterback and get to him fast so look at cam to start it off it's cam hayward kevin zeitler and that's number one jeff
1: okay i'm gonna go with james connor as my number two uh and it's james connor versus the browns rushing defense and, and lance williams and i had this conversation last night on our show the standard is a standard which if you haven't checked that out Go back and do it because it's some good information there as well. James Conner, you look at how he played in week one, which was a tremendous showing, and a lot of people were saying, ah, Le'Veon who? And then they kind of got away from the run the next few weeks. But if they can commit themselves to running the ball early, I think this matchup is going to be really important to watch. But not just James Conner running the ball, James Conner getting the ball in space. That's where he's the most deadly. And I think that when you look at James Conner and what he's able to do and what he's shown the Steelers so far this season, his ability to be lined up in the slot and sometimes out wide. And that's those are things they did with Lady On Bell. And he's catching the ball well, and he's running, and he's starting to really see the holes better. And the offensive line is getting comfortable blocking for him then it's something that you alluded to early in the show, Brian, where it seems like the Steelers, especially the line, has just kind of put Le'Veon Bell away. Like They're just putting him on the back bar saying, look, this guy doesn't matter because he's not here. And they've gotten accustomed to, to Connor. Connor is succeeding. And when he succeeds, the offense succeeds. So I think that the matchup of Connor versus the Browns rush defense is going to be really, really important. And that's number two on my list. They have to get Connor going early stick with the run but get him the ball he's a playmaker let him prove that all right what do you have for number two there brian
2: i concur jeff and at number two this is a very important week for one Artie tyrone burns jr it's not arthur it's Artie. that's his huh. given name so <laughs> that's something you did not know but Artie tyrone burns jr is going to be facing a free agent rookie. Actually, I don't think he's a free agent rookie, but he's a rookie in Antonio Callaway who is now in there um, instead of Josh Gordon. And, you know, he had a lot of play in the offseason. He had a lot of arrests in the offseason, but they're still sticking with this guy. And the guy has a lot of talent out of the University of Florida. But so you have two guys that played in Florida, one in Miami, one for the Gators. But they're going to go mano imano. mano. And it's going to be an interesting matchup. This is the week that Artie needs to really get the monkey off of his back because now they're looking at all these different guys that you could possibly trade for. Um, we've had a few articles on the site this week with the whole Patrick Peterson, um, thinking that Patrick Peterson might be up for grabs, and now they're looking at some other corners. Um and Gary and Conley. They're looking um, possibly Janoris Jenkins with the Giants. But, you know, Artie Burns wants to put that all to bed. And he could do that this week if he can contain Antonio Callaway. And he's going to have a very good opportunity to do so. So if he comes up big, that'll be huge for the Steelers, Jeff, and huge for one Artie Tyrone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And boy, does this guy need a confidence boost. And even if it's against the Browns, it's confidence nonetheless, and that's something mike tomlin spoke about um at his tuesday press conference in regards to sometimes at that position especially you're only noticed when you're doing bad things and, and he needs to get his mind right he needs to get out there they're not going to give up on him nor should they give up on him and by the way i don't think any of those trade options are worth going after but that's just my prerogative all right my third uh, matchup is going to be ben roethlisberger And my goodness, Ben Roethlisberger just has to protect the football. And I'm watching down the little little corner of my screen, and it looks like I stole another one. You got me again! (laughs) I can read your mind. Um, Ben Roethlisberger protect the football. The Cleveland Browns defense does take the football away at a tremendous clip. They are on pace for over 40 turnovers this year. It's a shocker that they've only won two of those games. If the Steelers protect the football... And if they go back to my second key and run the football, I don't think there is any chance that the Cleveland Browns can win this game. Big Ben, protect the football. I'd love to see one of those days where he throws, let's say, I don't know, completes 20 of 26 for 275 and two touchdowns, zero interceptions. That would be one of those games where it's a, it's a, he managed it well. He was completing passes. He was moving the ball on third down, converting in the red zone. That would be a great game for Big Ben. I don't need to see number 7 throwing for six touchdowns and 500 yards. As awesome as that is, that's not what the Steelers need right now. Let's stick with balance, let's get them focused, and let's get another W and make it three in a row. Brian, what's your final matchup since I stole your thunder again?
2: Well, let's go to number 11 here, like all (laughs) the way down the list. You know, so... I can pick between the two. Um, One would be a cop-out, Todd Haley versus Hugh Jackson, so I'm not going (laughs) to do that. I I thought that would be fun, but I'm not going to do that. Let's go ahead and look at a very cool matchup here, too, and I don't know why I'm calling all these matchups cool. Um, That's my uh, word of the day toilet paper for you. Um, So uh, right tackle for the Cleveland Browns. Jeff, do you know who that is? Chris Hubbard. Chris Hubbard against 1 TJ Watt. So I'm looking at that as being a really um a really interesting matchup because we saw Chris Hubbard in the last couple of years unless he's playing center against the Browns be very uh, last year as a center in week 17 was ugly, but that's not where he's playing. Now, this guy has really come into his own. He's a good blocker for that team. They went out and paid him, and they paid him because they saw what he did as the uh, what B.J. Finney is doing now for Pittsburgh. He was the extraordinary reserve for the Steelers. Now he's starting, and he's going up against a guy that, does very well against the Cleveland Browns. In the opener last year, he had two sacks. In the opener this year, he had three. I don't know how many he had in Week 17 last year. That's something I can check. But I know that T.J. Watt plays very well against this team. If they game plan like they've game planned in the past with T.J. Watt in mind, it could be dangerous for the Browns. So let's make that matchup number three as very paramount for the Steelers' success.
1: Yeah. You could even say if that's 3A for you, 3B would be that if the Cleveland Browns start showing TJ Watt a ton of attention and sliding protections his way and throwing a tight end over top of Hubbard, then Bud Dupree has to win on the other side. And that's, that's, that could be your other key for that because it, this is the way football works. You can't, throw double teams on everyone. And so when you put a double team on TJ Watt, if that's what they decide to do, because he has been the Browns kryptonite the last two years, in and he's been in the NFL, then someone else has to win their one-on-one. And you talk about Cam Hayward, I would throw Bud Dupree in there as well. So there you have it, folks. The three key matchups for both Brian and myself. Um, it, it's unique how they're different. They, this team, did they play each other just uh, seven weeks ago? Yet they are vastly different. Baker Mayfield is a unique player with a unique skill set. From what I've seen of him, he certainly seems to, because he's not a super tall guy. Um, You watch a guy like Drew Brees, even. They struggle when the the pocket collapses from the interior. They get pinned in. Sometimes they can't see over top of the blockers. That's the type of guy he is. He's taking a lot of sacks that the Steelers could feast on that this Sunday. I hope they do. So let's now turn to our player to watch um this is the player that we think is going to have a really big game this is not fantasy football stuff yet we'll get to that in a second this is just the player the key player to watch that we think could really turn the tide for either team i guess if you wanted to go with the brown or you could just focus on the Steelers. i will let you go first i'll kick away i'll defer to you brian go ahead who's your key player to watch in this week eight matchup
2: well you know i was thinking ben roethlisberger but you just completely uh went over his entire profile in uh when you stole my thunder at number three so i'm not going to do that You're but welcome. there's so there's so many places you can go here i think there's a lot of players that are going to do very well this week um but i keep on looking at three of this matchup and we talked about how TJ Watt has done against the Browns in the last few years. Um, The last couple openers this year and last year, Jesse James really came through and came through in a big way. And I find him, and now the fact Vance McDonald's here also, but that doesn't take anything away from what Jesse James could do, even when they're both out there. Ben knows to look for both of these guys. And Jesse James is still very valuable. And when he's forgotten about, he's very dangerous. The Kansas City Chiefs left him alone like crazy and he completely torched them. And every fantasy owner was scrambling to pick him up that week. But I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm just talking about a guy who could really destroy the middle of the field for this team. And it's one Jesse James. And I don't know his complete full name, but I'll look that up so I can wow you with that, Jeff. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Jesse James, yeah, he's. it's it's tough in fantasy if you were talking about those two tight ends. You really kind of have to pick your, pick your hunches because you just never know who's going to have the better game. For me, my key player, I spoke about if someone's getting extra attention, the person on the opposite side needs to step up. And I'm going to go with number 19, Juju Smith-Schuster here because... We know that the Browns are going to be – they're going to put Denzel Ward on Antonio Brown, and they're going to have Julius uh, Peppers – I think that – not Julius Peppers. What the hell is his name? Peppers for Cleveland. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Brian, help me Jabril. out Jabril. Jabril, yes. Thank you. Jabril Peppers is shading his way. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be the one that should be at a feast on that matchup. Um, I think that that's something that the Steelers are going to hope to do early and often. And I think Antonio Brown is slowly starting to realize that although he has a new role with the team, it's not necessarily a bad one. He might not be getting 16 targets a game, but if he's getting nine and he's catching seven of them and he's still going over 100 for a touchdown or two, It's not the worst thing. I mean, there could be worse things, I guess. And and if they're winning, that's the most important thing. So I'm going to go with number 19, Juju Smith-Schuster is my player to watch. I want to shy away from before we get into fantasy football here. I I think about Juju Smith-Schuster. He is probably my favorite young player on the team because he's full of... He's just funny. That's really the best way to describe him. I mean, he's young. He's charismatic. He's goofy. He's... Every, you hear the players talk, and they say he's like everyone's little brother.
0: I want to hang out with
1: him. Yeah, he. They say he plays jokes on the players. Like he'll get into the locker room first after practice, and we'll close the doors and lock them so that other players can't get in. Like he does stuff like that that is just so carefree. And you follow him on social media, and you're not seeing anything that's related to drama. You're seeing his dog. You're getting video of him going and buying hundred and twenty dollars worth of. Make a million tickets to try to win the billion dollars. Uh, that's just <laughs> to <get> back. <laughs> like What then?
2: Do you see his quote? I did this to get Le'Veon Bell exactly. back. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> no. <But, I> mean, <laughs> that's you know, what he said.
1: But that's Juju's. Just that. That's Juju. I mean, I, I, there's no other way to. And the way he plays the game is tremendous. But when I think of him, I think about how he was the player chosen by the Pittsburgh Steelers to show off their new throwback uniforms, which are going to be worn this Sunday at Heinz Field. And they're going back to the block numbers. They're going back to the block numbers. They're taking away the badge on the upper left chest. Um, uh, some fans, that I, when I wrote the article, were upset that they still had the NFL logo, which was not there in the 70s, um, on the, uh, the, the bottom of the uh, collar everything else pretty much is, is status quo. I think they even have, have dialed down the yellow or the, the yellow of the gold for the Steelers a little bit to kind of match that 19, what is it, 79, I think is the year that they're actually celebrating. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but um, what are your thoughts on the throwbacks compared to what we've seen in the past? Um, I'm sure you'll be getting one because I know you're a Jersey guy, but what are your thoughts on the just the jerseys in general?
2: Love them absolutely love these Jeff I cannot wait to get one in fact I have one on order but as you can see these are the blocks yep that's the color rush which they'll be wearing against Carolina in a couple weeks but the blocks are going to look just like this but it is such a beautiful look and I've been you know I have a Bradshaw jersey like that and I have an L.C. Greenwood jersey and I just think I put them next to the other ones and I'm like these are just beautiful jerseys. This is what I grew up with. And then in 1997, when Cordell was starting for the first time, they decided to switch to these, I guess, rounded numbers. And I, I've hated them for 20 years. So I'm hoping that they love the look of this so much that next year they say, you know, we're just going to make a change and go back. That's what. They, look at the Packers. The Packers are wearing the same jerseys, basically, that they've always worn. And they're just classic, and they're perfect. And I want the Steelers to go back to that. So visually, I you know when, when I was a kid, I, I had this friend who loved jerseys just as much as I did. But he had four older brothers, and they all made fun of us. They called us like uh, uh, Vidal Sassoon or whether well, made made <laughs> like crazy names for us because uh, Pierre and stuff like that because we were fashion guys. But I just like the looks of jerseys and. This is going to be a great look for them, and I really think that that's just going to energize this team. Plus, if you throw in some disco music in the background, because they are going back to 1979 for this, it's going to be great. So all I have to say is La Frique. They need to play Chic, La Freak, oh, Freak out. Bum, bum, ba, da, 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 da. Right, if that, they do that, that place is going to be rocking. You have the polka going. They got to play the polka. It's going to be, you're going to think Myron is back
1: yeah uh, you know i mean you know the story of when they changed the numbers right And uh, you, you know that story it was dan rooney that made that decision it was uh, i did the, not know that yes it was the late dan rooney that decided that he wanted to change things up and i'm sure the nfl was fully behind it to, to sell more jerseys and you know the reasons why they went to these italicized numbers were to match the numbers that are on the helmet um, if you've ever noticed the numbers, even when Bradshaw and them played, they were the italicized numbers. They were not block numbers. And so those numbers on the jerseys match the numbers on the helmet. Did you know that, Brian? I can't believe you didn't know this.
2: I did not know that. And that's oh, the yeah. one Dan Rooney decision that I will question. <laughs> Daniel Milton Rooney may rest in peace, but I don't like that. That was just a, you don't have to match those.
1: Yeah, but that's it. That's we what that was. Yeah, and they actually, and then they also curved the letters on the back for some of them. They're not the block letters, so they've, I, they kind of did a lot of changes, but they're very subtle changes. And then obviously the patch over the the left chest was the biggest, was another added feature. Uh, to me, I guess, uh, yeah, I I like the block numbers. It, I wrote this in an article. I felt like it was pretty much the same pattern as the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, if you follow the Penguins, and a lot of people that follow the Steelers do and that's fine. Now, the Penguins had the classic black and yellow, the gold, what is Pittsburgh gold, we'll call it. And it was the same in all three sports, Pirates, Penguins, Steelers. And that's always something I've always loved because I love all three teams. And then they went away from that yellow and they went to the classic or the Vegas gold, we'll call it, or the modern gold. And they did win a Stanley Cup in 2009 with those jerseys, but it always felt like something was missing. And then two years ago, they had a throwback, and and their alternate jersey was the Mary Lemieux jerseys, which they are currently wearing. And fans were just nut went nuts over this jersey, and it was like it was retro, it was modern still, but boy, was it nostalgic. And for someone that grew up watching those Penguins, and I know Brian, you did too, and Lemieux and and Yager in their prime, and winning those '92, '93 Stanley Cups. Um, it was awesome, and now they're their everyday uniforms. I wonder, would the Steelers be bold and brazen enough, or would Art the II be bold enough to say, you know what, we're going back to the blocks. We're going back to the blocks. Those are going to be our everyday uniforms. We'll have throw uh, Color Rush in there from time to time as our alternates, but we're going back to the blocks. Me, I don't think so. Um, I think that the uniforms they have now are their new they're their uniforms they are not going to change any. Um, but ultimately, could you see them doing that? Could you see them saying we're going back to the blocks full time?
2: Hey, the Penguins did it. Like you said, I can see them doing it. If there's enough of an outcry for it and they sell enough of them. Yeah, they'll definitely do it. I, I don't think they're definitely going to do it, but they would consider it. I mean, there'd be a meeting. And plus, there'd be guys like me on Twitter just hounding them to do it. I mean, I'm going to buy any jersey, It doesn't matter because yeah. that's just who I am, but I love those blocks and that's what I grew up with. And like you just said, you grew up with that. I grew up with the penguins like you did too. And I remember those days. In fact, I was at the parade in those days um i'd like to see the uh, when the pirates do that i love when they go back to those 1979 uniforms that's just that's just a cool look you know if we're talking about uniforms and getting off the subject i want the pirates to go back to the pinstripes of the late 70s when they had the black and gold pinstripes that were just absolutely awesome so there's nothing wrong with going back in time jeff
1: yeah yeah it is nostalgic for a lot of the older fans and Um, it's something fresh and new for the younger fans. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. I I don't feel like there's much of a change though. Like you think about the last throwback and the bumblebees. My gosh, was that a stark contrast from what they're usually wearing? And it caused got so much attention from the national media because they look like prisoners, they look like bumblebees, the brown pants were hideous, the socks. I mean, everything about it was criticized, but that's what they wanted. And believe it or not, and I'm even looking at our live chat on our YouTube feed and there's a lot of people that say bring back the bumblebees i think the steelers fan base has started to grow on them and at the same time the that's when the steelers said yeah we're done with the bumblebees so did you like the bumblebees by the way
2: i loved them but i would have preferred if they would have went with black pants yeah that would have it, changed would, have looked, it, a lot. it would have looked so much better um but i thought they were great in fact i have one of those too
1: yeah well you have every jersey so all right let's go into fantasy land now where we talk about A player in this matchup, we're going to start them and sit them. So there's a player that you should start in your lineup. This is if you're in a daily fantasy league, you want to put that person in the lineup, and then someone where you're like, yeah, I'm going to avoid them at all costs. Go ahead, uh, Brian. Who's your player you want to start? Who's the player you want to start first?
2: I'm starting James Conner this week. Um, I think he going on that role that he's been doing. I think that uh, he will have a third straight game with over 100 yards um, this week again against Cincinnati. And I think it's become, he's been quiet, but I think the whole Le'Veon Bell thing with the media has become personal with James. And I really think that he wants to prove it and continue to say emphatically, I'm the man here, get used to it.
1: Okay, so you have James Connor as your start. Um
2: I saw some head shaking there, Jeff. Is that um, no, that was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I'm trying to think, you know, this is a this could be a tight end game, but I'm not sure which one to pick. Because it could, it could be Jesse James, it could be Vance McDonald. Uh another article by Dave Schofield on our site was really great about how the Steelers utilize their three tight end set. With Xavier Grimble to really abuse the Bengals in week six. And I don't know if we'll see that again. Uh, if I'm going to pick someone, though, I think it's, I would say Antonio Brown. And I don't think anyone's going to bench Antonio Brown. But if you're in a Fandle League or a DraftKings League and you have your options of who you want to pick, you might not pay $9,000 for Antonio Brown if you're not sure he's going to produce. I think you're going to see a new connection between Roethlisberger and Brown in the second half. I say start Antonio Brown. I'm not saying start Ben Roethlisberger, though, because I think what you said with James Conner is going to come to fruition, and that's going to limit his statistics in that regard. So who's the player you say sit him? You don't want to play him. Not going to pan out for them.
2: Okay, you're going to yell at me for this one, but I, you know, now that it's bye season and I know it's not a fan dual league, but in there's a lot of buys coming out and I'm short on wide receivers in my regular leagues. So I have this guy stashed on my bench everywhere that I want to start and I have to start because I might. receivers on a buy or if you are in a fan duel league you know he's cheap and one of these days he's going to show up i just don't know if james washington is going to show up anytime soon i keep hoping he is i keep on thinking one day this guy's going to break out but i don't know if it's it hasn't happened yet and i don't know if it's going to happen soon so i'm going to go ahead and cop out because i like everybody else and i'm going to say james washington don't start him again this week
1: okay yeah no i agree with that um, as for me, I'm gonna go to the other side of the coin and say, uh, I would say that I'm thinking about a player because uh, I think the the Steelers offense, it, you have a lot of players. James Washington would be someone that would I would agree with you 100 because you just don't know. there's no consistency it, it, there's no consistency there. And so when it comes to fantasy football, you're basically hoping for a flash in the pan. So avoid him. Let's go to the Browns offense, though, against the Steelers' defense. And I'm going to say that you would want to sit Jarvis Landry. And he's a guy that I have used in my Fanduel League a lot because he gets a ton of targets. He has good hands. They look for him in the red zone. I just don't And he's cheap. And he is typically cheap. I use him too. Yeah, so I I personally think that Jarvis Landry is someone I'm going to avoid because I think Baker Mayfield is going to be under a lot of duress in this game. And so I personally would say... If you're gonna, you know, pick a, a a member of the Browns that you were thinking about starting, and like I said, I have Brian has as well, um, played him a lot. I would I would not I would avoid him like the plague this week. So there you have it, folks. If you're a fantasy football guy or girl and you play fantasy football, whether they're traditional or your daily leagues, take that for what it's worth. If you want to go scour the waiver wire, you can. Or if you're in a Fanduel league, which I have won money the last three weeks, I think. Sorry, Brian. I don't think you have. Um yeah,
2: I started mocking you and then you started <laughs> winning and I started placing seventh.
1: Hey, you don't poke the bear. Okay. That's all it's I gotta never say. never been the <laughs> bear. <laughs> okay. So let's get to our prediction part of the show. Before we get to our Steelers Browns predictions, we're going to go to the AFC North. You don't have to give me a score, but we want to predict the other games in the AFC North this week. The first one up Baltimore Ravens traveled down to Carolina to play the Panthers. Brian, who do you think wins that game, Ravens or Panthers?
2: You know what? We're really going to find out who the true Baltimore Ravens are, and it would be easy for me to go ahead and say Carolina, but I am one of those guys that still think Baltimore is better than most, and they are dangerous to me, and if they are going to compete, they've got to win. This week and not uh, fall any farther behind. Um, so I'm going to go ahead with the Baltimore Ravens this week on the road.
1: Yeah, um, man, it is tough. The, the, the Panthers are kind of remind me of the Steelers where they'll just be dead for a half or against last week against the Eagles for three quarters. And then all of a sudden they explode for 21 points and win 2117. So I'm going to go with the home team. I think the Ravens are a flawed team. I think they're good, but I think they do have their their flaws. I, I don't think they're as good on the road as they are at M&T Bank Stadium, and so I think they're going to lose this game. I think the Panthers win. It's going to be another close one that's good news for Pittsburgh, uh, but then the, we all know what's coming up on Week 9. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals, they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who do you think is going to win this one? The Bengals have lost two in a row. The Buccaneers are coming off of a really... Ugly yet still win overtime win over the Browns last week. Who do you have winning this one?
2: All the way Cincinnati. And I hate to say it because I hate them with the white hot intensity of a thousand stuns, Jeff, but I really think they're going to win this game. Hands I down. agree.
1: I agree. I think the Bengals are too good of a team to lose three in a row, especially to a team like the Buccaneers, which it just, it kind of stinks because the Steelers with the team that kind of pushed them over the ledge and it happened last year in Kansas city when the Pittsburgh Steelers went into Arrowhead and beat the undefeated chiefs. And then they just kind of spiraled downward. And later in the season, everyone's like, well, that win wasn't that great. The chiefs weren't that good. And it's the same thing. The, the Buccaneers were two and O Fitz magic was going crazy when the Steelers went down there and beat them on Monday night football. And now everything's kind of unraveled. And now people might look at that one differently. I don't think they're that good. I don't believe in Jameis Winston. So I think I agree with you that the that the Bengals win that game. And so let's get to Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns predictions, Heinz Field the second time. Let's just assume this is the last time they're going to play this year. I doubt the Browns make some crazy resurrection and make the wild card or anything like that. So we'll assume that this is the last time they meet. How do you see this game playing out? And what's your score prediction?
2: You know, I'm even going to go with high score for the Steelers, 34 to 20. Actually, I think they're going to knock this team around. Um, we said at the beginning of the uh, podcast that these teams are going in completely different directions. In fact, I'm going to make another prediction. Todd Haley is possibly the coach of this team after this game. Now, here's a very interesting stat. The last five head coaching changes for the Cleveland Browns were all after Pittsburgh Steeler losses. Hmm.
1: I didn't know that. that's interesting. That's an interesting statistic.
2: So that's uh, now that I'm I'm first in Twitter. you yeah. <laughs> don't know what that means, but I'm I'm tweeting on um, the Twitter, like my dad likes to call it. But I'm <laughs> but I I saw that the other day and I'm like, you know, that's fantastic. They've pushed these guys out. I've seen them do it. I think Hugh Jackson is just hanging by his fingertips right now. Um it might not be Haley, it could be Greg Williams, but it's going to be one of those two guys. And I think the are going to go for the six-pack here and kick another guy Uh, out of Cleveland so they can make another mistake by the lake.
1: Yeah, it seems like uh, Hugh Jackson is kind of like grasping at air right now. Uh, It's not really the offense that's a problem with Cleveland, yet he's taking over control and all that stuff. So for me, I'm going to go and say that the Steelers win this game as well. I think that it's a final score of uh, 34-17 to or... I might even go as high as 37, and thinking that Boswell gets some action to, uh, in the game, they might make a, a have a late score to make it look a little bit closer. But I think the Steelers should dominate this game from start to finish. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if in the first quarter there's a little bit of a lull and the Steelers might come out a little bit slow. But ultimately, I think that they are the better team. They want to prove that that week one bye was not something that is going to be a regular occurrence to get with these two teams. And they proved that by beating the snot out of the Browns in week eight. So now if you're watching live and you're on your phone or your, whatever device you're using, and you want to ask a question for the show, we're going to do some rapid fire here at the end. And we already have some questions coming in. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Lance Williams my co-host of two shows that I've heard of Lance yeah how about that he's pretty popular um Lance Williams asks and this is a question he asked me the other night is Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings the best wide receiver in the
2: NFL no (laughs) statistically yes but no
1: suck on that Lance that's what I said I said it was Antonio Brown um he said Adam Thielen is I said it's just too small of a sample size do it over a whole season and that's a different story um, here we go. How do you assess Terrell Edmonds thus far? And does he show promise for the long term?
2: He does show promise. Um, I would go ahead and give him a C. Um, there are some flashes of brilliance there, especially that interception. I believe it was against Tampa Bay, it was almost Palomalu like with him running after the, after the catch. I think getting. Burnett back and if that does happen this week could really help um, number 34 along but I don't think he was a mistake especially where they picked I think he could be a 10 year player for this team we have to be patient with this guy but and remember Troy Palomalo 1993 15 years ago excuse me 2003 everybody was calling him a bust and uh, did not play that well early in fact, that entire season. So um, I'm thinking you're going to see a huge upgrade in 2019 with this guy, but be patient. He's going to have some more flashes of brilliance. He's going to make some plays for this team in this year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that he's played okay so far. Um, if It's getting to the point now where if you don't notice him, that's kind of like a, a, a checkmark in the good box. Because if you do notice him sometimes, most of the time it's he's getting burnt in coverage or he's missing a tackle. Um he did he was quoted coming out of the bye, they media was around him and he said, you know, the game is slowing down for me. Uh I'm starting to it's it's starting to become familiar. I'm not having to think so much about where am I supposed to be, who am I supposed to do this, that, and the other. It's becoming a reactionary, and that's what the best players do. Uh Troy Palomala was the same way, like you mentioned. Troy was Troy because he 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 trusted himself and he reacted. He trusted his study, his knowledge of the opponent, and he reacted. And Troy didn't always hit the home run. He struck out plenty of times, but it was that reaction time. It was his confidence. And that's something that Troy Edmonds is going to have to learn. He's going to have to get by no way, shape, or form. Am I comparing him to Troy Palomalu because he's not Troy Palomalu? There will never be another Troy Palomalu. He was one of a kind, a generational player. Now let's go with um, Lance as another question. What do you think were the best Steeler throwback jerseys? Now the color rush uniforms are not throwback jerseys, so those do not count. Brian, what was your favorite throwback jersey for the Steelers?
2: I'm going to go with 1994, the very first throwback jersey with the crest The 1933 crest on the front and the black stripes, it was very reminiscent of the bumblebees with the gold, but they had the black stripes almost to a V and the crest in the middle. And I actually, I almost wore that tonight for the podcast because I have one of those in Dermody Dawson style.
1: Is that, was you say 94? 94. Yeah, because I remember Barry Foster running wild. They
2: played the Colts in week three and they won at home. And they actually wore them against the uh, Arizona Cardinals and lost to uh, Buddy Ryan on Sunday night with that jersey. Yeah. Only wore them twice, but they were sharp.
1: Very unique because the stripes didn't go all the way up. It was weird. Yeah, they were like a V. Yeah. yeah, it was a V, but it was just, it was weird. I think if they did those again, Nike would definitely alter those a little bit and make them a little bit more appealing to the eye. I'm gonna go with though my favorite were the white pants, the black kind of kind of like the color rush jersey with the gold helmets. I thought that was a great I thought that was a great look. People didn't like the helmets. I thought they were cool, and I I, I will never not think of the Monday Night Football game against the Ravens, the 35 points in the first half with Ed Reed getting knocked out. Uh, that was just against oh my gosh that was such a beautiful game and they wore those throwbacks for that game. Um, that's what I think of when I think of CELA throwbacks. That was my favorite by far. So, hey, and, and like I said, the Bumblebees weren't bad. They weren't bad. Okay, now here's another question, Brian. Let's assume that this person is assuming that Le'Veon Bell is going to show up after the trade deadline. It's after some news, and I got this wrong on our podcast last night because the headline was very questionable. It's it, the reason why Bell didn't show up during the bye week is because the Steelers said they were not going to pay him for the two weeks during their roster exemption, and so he said, "If you're not going to pay me, I'm not showing up." It's getting to the point now where some people are talking about he might not even show up. Period. But he's let's assume that he does show up after the trade deadline, so he's there prior to the Week Nine game against the Ravens. How do you see the the share of let's say the the carries between Connor and Bell in terms of a hundred percent pie chart? would you say it's like 80% to 20% who gets the 80, who gets the 20? How would you see that shaking out?
2: You know, this is tough, Jeff. And the reason being is it depends how I don't want to say vindictive, but uh, how the Steelers want to be with this guy. Um, If they have completely washed their hands of him, it might be 70 to 30 James. They're serious about having him in the mix and making a run with him. It could very well be, 50 50 60 40 to start becoming 50 50 and then swaying in his direction i would like to see some situations where they have both of them on the field at the same time in the same backfield i believe what is that called the pony backfield um i'd like to see that and there's also situations where you get him out out there and uh line him up like they lined him up a lot as a wide receiver last year, too. I mean, why not? I just don't know if we're going to see this guy again. Um, I'm really confused with the kind of advice that he's getting because he had to know this stuff. But here's my question for you, Jeff. Who is saying this? Did the Steelers say we're not going to pay you, or is this one of the talking heads suggesting that they, they might be doing this? And – we have a situation where Le'Veon Bell is listening to everything he sees in social media, but not what the Steelers are saying and assuming this stuff's going to happen.
1: Yeah. There was a source from uh Dale Lolly of DK Pittsburgh sports. He was the one that, that broke that story for the, uh, and he was the only one that had that story to be honest with you. Um, so take that with a grain of salt, maybe, but at the same time, I think for the first time in a long time, the Steelers aren't, aren't concerned if he shows up. I think they're at the point if he shows up, okay, I could see eventually 70 to 30 bell to Brown or to bell to Connor, um, but not right away. But at the same time, that's if he shows up and I'll be honest, Simon Chester, my, my number two for the website, put out a tremendous salary cap recap. And this guy knows the salary cap better than anyone else. I know maybe Ian Whetstone is the only one that knows it better. That's not an official cap guy for over the cap or sport track or whatever. And he had the Steelers at about $10 million in cap space going into 2019. And that is accounting the fact that Le'Veon Bell has surrendered almost 7 million of his 14.5 million that he would be due with the South cap. And the funny thing is, people forget that if Bell doesn't show up, all that 14.5 gets rolled into next season. So that would be adding you know, another $8 million, they would have 18 million in cap space compared to 10. That's, that's significant. That is very significant. So the Steelers could win without him and they can save that cap space. That that's very interesting to think about. So keep that in the back of your mind as well. Um, so here we go. Uh, let's also, uh, someone asked about Eli Rogers. When Eli Rogers is healthy, do you bring him back? If so, do you replace Ryan Switzer or something like that with Eli Rogers. What do you do with Rogers when he's healthy to come back, Brian?
2: Well, that's the thing because they're happy with how quickly Switzer has picked up some things. And last year Rogers was more of a liability than anything he did. He had zero confidence. He was dropping balls left and right. Um, Then he got hurt, which was a shame because he was actually really working really hard in that Jacksonville playoff game. You have Justin Hunter, who you thought they were going to go to Um, James Washington, who you thought they were going to go to. So I'm not really sure. I I can't answer that. Um, You would think that maybe for a change of pace, they bring him back in. And maybe just uh, not put Switzer, just keep Switzer as a return man, but but, uh, keep him out of the wide receiver depth chart. But um, Ben really seems to like Switzer and likes the gadgetry that they can go ahead and use with that guy. So it just depends which way they want to go. I can't see them replacing Hunter just because of his size, even though they're not doing much with him.
1: See, that's the thing. The Steelers' offensive attack is changing. It's not relying on the deep ball. Like when Martavis Bryant was here, they would always try it. They're always trying to pump a deep. And now that he's not there, they're more of an intermediate to short route yards after catch. In fact, they, I believe, per reception, have the highest yards after catch yard uh, yards per reception in the NFL. So their offense is changing and it's not reliant on someone like Justin Hunter anymore. If I'm the Steelers and... Eli Rogers is healthy, and we feel like he can make a difference being maybe a more viable option at number three compared to James Washington, then I can let Justin Hunter go. I'll bring up Eli Rogers because Justin Hunter doesn't play special teams. He doesn't play hardly at all, and so there, there's really nothing missing there. Um, I don't think Ryan Switzer's job is in jeopardy, He's proven he's reliable in the return game. He has also proven that he can be a spark in the return game, even though he hasn't taken one to the house. I'm going to stick with, uh, with my thoughts on that. Um, I think that if if they're going to bring him back, Justin Hunter is probably the guy in my opinion that would go. Uh, let's see here. Honestly, for me, a lot of people keep asking about Patrick Peterson. And, I, I get it. Not everyone is glued to Twitter like I am because you have to watch, you know, to see if news breaks or anything like that. Patrick Peterson announced that he is staying in Arizona. And so that's a kind of a moot point at this juncture. So, will the Steelers make a trade? That's another question. Are they going to trade for Patrick Peterson? As of right now, no. So, I don't think they're going to make a trade. Brian, do you think they're going to make a trade before the 30th?
2: I'm forty percent yes, sixty percent no. I just don't see them doing it. But you could get a guy like a Janoris Jenkins for a third or fourth round pick, and why not?
1: I'm, I don't want Ed, anything to do with Janoris Jenkins. He's due fourteen million dollars next year. There's no way I'm paying that salary, and he sucks. So <laughs> I'm not going to pay.
2: He sucks, really.
1: He, he's not any good. He's old. He's he's not that's a bad contract That's the reason the Giants are shopping him. Um, if anything, you go with uh, Conley or the Raiders cornerback because he's young. He's on his rookie contract. You hope that maybe you can get a little bit of that performance that he had at Ohio State out of him. Um, change of scenery might help for some, but I'm not touching generous Jenkins. I don't think he's any good. That's just me, though. As you might disagree. So so there you go. Brian, anything to add to the Steelers faithful before we call it an evening?
2: No, hey, the bye week's over. You don't have to fret. You don't have to watch crappy games without your team. You don't have to go shopping um, from one to four fifteen. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. All you have to worry about is the fact that this team is going to go on the, on a roll, and you have to. Really put some time aside in January to watch this team because they're on their way.
1: Let's hope so. Let's hope so. They have an opportunity to win three games in a row. It'd be the first time they do that this season. It'd also be the first time they would win a home divisional game. So again, that game is at one p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're not sure if you're going to get the game on early game day mornings, I published the distribution map. You can check that out to see if you'll get that in your regular scheduled listings. Other than that. If you're listening via podcast and you didn't know we have a YouTube channel, please go to YouTube, search BTSC Steelers Radio, subscribe, like our videos. We really appreciate the support. Also, if you didn't know that we are on almost every single platform now for podcasts, we're talking Google Play, iTunes, Stitch, Art19, Spotify, just search Pittsburgh Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, you'll find it. We want you to subscribe so you don't miss anything. We're talking about this show, the Steelers preview, the standard is the standard, our Steelers post game show, and of course, the Steelers hangover. All that content will be right there at your fingertips every single time so you don't miss, it, don't miss anything. And honestly, I said this last night when I was on with Lance if you have friends that are Steelers fans, get them to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and get them to these podcasts because the more the merrier, we appreciate all the support. So with that said, we hope the Steelers win. If they do, they would be 4-2-1. and one. They would continue their lead in the AFC North. We'll see you in the post-game show with my buddy Lance. We'll see you next time. Bye.
0: My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny